You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hello, it's episode 45 of Grow Yourself Up, Can You Believe It? And today we're going to talk a bit about rest and unwinding um, from that pattern of kind of addictive busyness, which even actually as I sit down to record this, I can feel like I'm trying to prevent myself from heavy breathing <laughs> because <laughs> I have that pattern too. And um and I take a lot of steps to unwind from it, and I'm still in the process of unwinding from it. I just had a little pause in recording to um, do some deep breaths and to slow my breathing down so I could be more calm as I recorded this. And as you listen to this, I want you to really reflect on what rest looked like in your family. Were the adults around you demonstrating that it was okay to rest? Was there permission to not be on the go all of the time? Because I think um, of all the patterns, this um, like being a busyaholic or a workaholic or addicted to intensity or always rushing from one chore to the next, even if they're kind of fairly meaningless chores, um, gives somehow a sense of um, – productivity and productivity is really linked to worth often and so it might be so ingrained in you that it feels difficult to kind of extricate this or that it you feel kind of guilty or um really uncomfortable like letting yourself have an hour of being aimless or i don't know lying on the grass and looking at the sun or just looking at the clouds or doing anything that feels kind of purposeless. And so I just noticed that I know that I had a mum who was really, really efficient at things and got so many things done and always rushed us around or was always, always trying to fit in one more extra thing and um, do like one extra chore or squeeze in something. And I mean, I think that she had four children and, and a busy life. So like to some extent, of course she was trying to do that, but it's interesting to reflect on what gets wired into us as as 
uh, normal in inverted commas. And this is not to blame or shame or pass judgment. It's in many ways actually to help you be kinder to yourself because when you kind of consider, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is what I had coming down to me. This is what my kind of legacy is from the previous generations in my family. So let me work with this. Let me unwind this pattern for future uh, generations of my family. And I don't need to beat up on myself all the time for it. Um, it's a, you know, all of these things are an unwinding over time. It's a process. Okay. I hope you find this useful. So today we're going to talk about unwinding from overdoing and uh, why rest is so important and why it's so hard in families where we don't get our needs met. And that's broadly how I define a dysfunctional family. So where the children are meeting the needs of the adults as opposed to the other way around, we develop a, a set of coping adaptations. So our, our stress responses to what's going on in our family are the adaptations like perfectionism, people pleasing, excessive work. Maybe we're very controlling. There's a huge range of, um, of different stress responses. Maybe we shut down. Maybe we, we go into a freeze response a lot of the time. Maybe we try and minimize ourselves and kind of, um, hide and not be present. Maybe we get very quiet, but for many of us, the adaptations we developed. So, um, overworking, perfectionism, people pleasing are extremely successful in adult life. So they help us to achieve in adverted commas what society thinks is important and also what we learned kept us safe in our childhoods. So if we uh, were assessed on how clever we were, how well we were doing, um, what sort of job we got, then we will perpetuate that in our adult lives. We will assess ourselves in the same way and we will continue to use those coping strategies. So i.e. we will continue to overwork. We will continue to perfect things. We will continue to try and people please because that is what kept us emotionally safe and physically safe um, as a child. Now, what that means from a nervous system perspective is that we are essentially stuck in the on phase. We we don't ever have time to kind of unwind or reset. If we if we think from a polyvagal perspective, that means we would be operating from our survival states most of the time. Now, some of us exist in sympathetic, which is a place where you might be perfecting a lot, overworking. It's a very active, mobilized state. And um, some of us exist in shutdown. And some of us go between those two states. So kind of overworking, then shutdown, overworking, then shutdown. And what we really want in um, as we go on our own healing journey is a nervous system that is more flexible. And that is that so that we become more aware of when we're going into our um, into our survival states. And we are able to take ourselves back to a connected state where we don't feel that we need to engage in all our um, stress responses. Now, this is quite complex stuff, and we'll be going over this a lot more. But why I want to kind of uh, talk about this now is because we talked last week about trying to cultivate joy and about um, doing the things that we love. And really, for many of us who are recovering from overworking, I could call myself a busyness addict. I could call myself a workaholic. I could call myself uh, like an overdoer. How, whatever label you want to, to um, use for yourself, or maybe you don't want to use a label, but this this propensity to always feel we need to be busy is typically a, a coping strategy from childhood, and it makes 
it difficult to to rest and um, relax in any moment because of how uncomfortable it is and because it's almost like a sense of nothingness and and even worthlessness. So I talked a bit about that last week, but there's really a sense of of that can come up when you're trying to rest or when you're trying to do uh, cultivate joy of who am I? Um, what's the point of this? Do I have any worth when I'm doing this? This is also extremely complicated in um, parenthood because if I share from my point of view, I had learned to rest and relax a lot more and do things that cultivate joy for me a lot more before I had children. Uh, I'd even learned to nap during the day. So I have never really been able to sleep um, during the day. I couldn't kind of unwind or, or relax enough to actually do that. And then many years ago, I went to a, I was in a treatment center on an addiction treatment program. And there, as if by magic, I was actually able to sleep during the day. And I really believe that was because I, it was the first time I'd ever really made a really big decision just for myself. And I felt safe. I felt I was in a place where I felt understood and where there were people around me who, who understood. And so I was able to relax enough to actually sleep during the day, which for some of you might sound, um, kind of ridiculous in a way, but it was a really huge thing for my system to calm enough to be able to do that. And so prior to motherhood, it's, it seemed there was more space and time to relax. So if we are kind of very hypervigilant and we are kind of very in it, sort of, we, we always doing overdoing and everything and we sort of vibrate at a very kind of fast level, then we typically need a lot of time to kind of unwind. So actually, if you, if you're trying to have a nap, you might need, even if you only want to have an hour nap, you might need three hours because you actually need to unwind enough to let yourself fall asleep. So prior to children, um, you know, it might be easier to do that on a weekend, but with children, obviously, there's your, your leisure time and any time you ever had is, is kind of gone. So it can be really hard to actually practice unwinding when you have children just because of the fact that there's less time and because you have to do so much, um, additional work, so much additional care work, um, mental, uh, work or the mental load, the emotional load of raising children. There's the, the impact of the dysregulation that your own system experiences from your children and the reparenting that you need to do for yourself around that in order to actually parent. And so the ability of our system to actually re, to, um, kind of unwind, I believe slows actually because we, we having to do so much extra work. And so in some ways, that's why we need even more rest and to try and um, facilitate that in our own lives. I had a therapist once who said that in her life, she had had all the stress she could cope with already in her childhood. And so she spent a lot of time focusing on on space and calming activities and giving herself a lot of um, nourishment, both emotionally, so lovely walks in the countryside and very um, nourishing food. And she cultivated a very peaceful life. And that is also part of my story, really trying to cultivate a peaceful life, not pack in a lot of things, not overbook. And to a large extent, um, I've really managed to do that. So I, I don't overbook on the weekends. I don't pack my weeks too much, but my energy and my, the way my body is wired means that 
I can get into quite stressed states and I flip frequently into the overdoing place because that is so familiar and that is what's kept me safe. And so sometimes I feel like I'm a, you know, those little, um, which I think are quite funny to watch actually, but those little automatic lawnmowers, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they like a little, I don't know, like a little robot and they mow lawns without someone doing it. And I sometimes feel like I'm an automatic lawnmower in my head, going to all the corners in my head to find something I need to do or something I need to worry about, often at times that I'm trying to rest. Because it's so unfamiliar having space to do nothing or space to recuperate or space to just kind of sit somewhere and gaze. So it's uncomfortable to um, to not be doing. It's uncomfortable to have space sometimes in one's diary when the feelings of, so if we remember back to the fact that our psychological story is based on our nervous system state. So if you were always being clever, being busy, um, helping your parents, caring for your siblings, doing other caretaking tasks in your house, and you got a message that busyness was, was very virtuous in your house, then for you now, when you are not doing that, your psychological story will come up it might be very shame-based, actually. It might be like, what are you doing? You're worthless. You're not good enough if you're not doing something that um, is productive, is virtuous. And so it's very uncomfortable to um, sit with that and to be in communication with ourselves and communion with ourselves around that and becoming aware of what we tell ourselves or, or how maybe you might feel inexplicably a little bit depressed or a little bit low after you've actually been trying to um, rest or relax or cultivate joy. And that's often why it is because it's, it's, it's linked to messages you got as a child and trying to be in a state of rest and not being in that place in your nervous system where you're so busy, where you're in a survival state was perhaps not allowed. So really notice when you sit down to just have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or um, read your book or put your legs up against the wall and do some yoga nidra. Notice what happens. Notice what happens in your body. Notice physiologically what happens. I notice that um, if I lie down to rest sometimes, my heart starts to race, my head gets a lot more busy, and I can feel that physiologically I am going into a stress response. And I've really had to tend to myself around that, to reassure myself that I am allowed to rest, to soothe those sensations in my body, to be present with them, not to criticize them. Because at some point I was like, what's going on? Why, why do I have this racing heart? Why is it so uncomfortable? Why is my body doing this? But it's really about being present and curious about our experiences all the time and having curiosity and compassion around what's going on for us because your responses now will make sense in the context of your history. And I can't say that enough. I don't think we talk enough about how the way we we grew up and what happened in our childhoods impacts everything about our adult life because that's that's how our brain and our, our nervous system were built. I use an analogy often with my clients about of a house and um I think about the the nervous system and, and everything that goes on in your body as the walls of the house and then the roof is our brain. And everything about how we are was built in relationship in our childhood, our responses to things, how we believe people are going to treat us, how we believe we need to be in order to be safe, how people generally act, what makes us lovable. All of those things are things we learned in childhood. Um, sometimes I say to my clients actually 
um, often the, the reason we don't go fast in therapy because we're trying to do a renovation on the house while keeping the house standing and we're still living in the house. So I really love that analogy because it helps me to think, oh yeah, okay, so this is my house and I'm trying to change my house, but I can't change my house all at the same time. And it's really uncomfortable. You know what a renovation is like. It's, um, it's not sort of a, a pleasant experience to live through. And we're trying to renovate ourselves in some way. And we will always have those neural pathways that were built in childhood, but we, we're good. We're repatterning and creating new neural pathways. But so when we're trying to do new behavior, like consciously rest and uh, consciously give ourselves space to have, to, to like live a beautiful life, to do what it is that, that gives us joy in our leisure time. It's, it feels really uncomfortable. And so like when I talked about the automatic lawnmower, I have to kind of keep on saying to myself, okay, sweetie, it's okay. There's nothing you need to be doing now. This is time to rest. And I also acknowledge to myself, this feels so uncomfortable. Sometimes I wish I didn't have such a busy head. And sometimes I have less of a busy head, but you know, it's, I have to really have compassion for that experience. We don't suddenly go from being hypervigilant, um, overdoing, uh, very busy to being like all Zen. It's, it's just it doesn't happen like that. It's a process. So be very gentle with yourself. If you notice that you sit down to have a cup of tea or that you trying to do some yoga nidra and that your heart starts to race or you get very stressed at that, be gentle with you, with yourself, be kind to yourself narrate to yourself why you have this experience. Even if you don't know a lot about your own background or your childhood, just narrate that you make sense. Be gentle with yourself. Put your hand on your heart and talk kindly to yourself. I want to talk about um, overworking on holidays. I have noticed, I've been um, really taking active steps to not be so busy. I, I try and arrange my week in a way that it's not stressful so that as I look ahead of my week on a Sunday, I don't feel kind of pressure on my chest because I'm feeling so stressed. And um, in my in holidays, taking holidays with my family, I have really consciously worked on improving how I am on holiday and not trying to do work on holiday. So I've taken a laptop on holiday with me for many holidays. We've just been away on holiday in Greece and I didn't take my laptop and that felt extremely liberating. I did, however, take way too many books, but it's all an improvement. Um, I'll just tell you a quick story about some of, about kind of some of this history. So in April 2021, when, um, so the UK, there was been a very strict lockdown up until about April the 12th. And we had booked to go away on that day because I was desperate to get away and I was really kind of suffering from the impacts of feeling powerless and out of control. And so I was like, we're going to go away. And we went away to Suffolk, which is on the east coast of um, of the UK. And I had also, during lockdown, taken on so many courses and so many trainings that I actually had some trainings on that week of the, that we were going to be on holiday. So what actually happened is that I landed up doing so much work on that holiday, so much training. And it had a real impact on my family because my husband had to do so much childcare without me because I was busy working. And I really noticed how my behavior impacted his holiday. It impacted my kids because they really wanted more time with me. And I was really stuck in my own stress and trauma responses around that, doing a lot of work, overworking, thinking I needed to do that for my own value. We went to North Devon earlier this year. I also took my laptop. I don't think I actually used it, but 
I've really had to notice, okay, look what I'm doing. What am I trying to, what am I perpetuating in my holidays? I'm actually not giving myself time to rest if I'm taking my laptop and trying to do work or writing. And I've had to really be gentle with myself about, wow, look what you, look what the patterns you're setting up. And, um, I've had to stop signing up for so many training courses and stop committing to things so much. We're all doing something to get by. And during the pandemic, I really went into a lot of overworking. You may also have done that. You may have done something else. You may have gone into shutdown. Um, but we have to have kindness as we look at our own story. I kind of look at myself and I go, oh yeah, look at me. I'm doing that thing again. Oh yeah. Okay. So what's going on for me? Why don't I feel safe? How can I help myself to feel safe now so that I don't need to take my laptop on holiday? I'm allowed to rest. I don't need to demonstrate busyness all the time to show my worth. And you might be demonstrating busyness in a different way. Perhaps you are constantly thinking you need to home cook baby puree or you need to be, um, working out of the home or you need to constantly be working when you're inside the home if if most of your work is unpaid in the home and whatever your situation is you are worthy of rest you are worthy 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 it does not matter what your actual situation is it might be hard to get that rest but you are definitely worthy of that rest uh, i love there's an account on um, instagram the nap ministry and um She's got a book. I think her name is Trisha and Trisha Herson, I think she's got a, a book out, but she says that rest is a, is a radical act. And I'm going to interview some guests about this because I love some people's perspective on this. So, um, Tamu Thomas of Live 360 talks about exquisite rest. And that's such a beautiful way to describe it, that word exquisite. So think about how you can bring some exquisite rest in for yourself. How can you try and create those moments? And good luck this week in trying to do that. And we'll be back next week. Take good care. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.